Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. Anyway, good morning. What an absolutely beautiful morning to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. What an honor and a pleasure to be with you all here this morning uh, to share with you a little bit about Gideon's International. Before I get going, though, I always like to make sure that I came to the right place. Now, I do that by asking a couple of simple questions. They are easy questions, but they do, however, require an answer. So what do you say we get rolling? First question. Do we have any Christians in the sanctuary this morning? If you're a Christian, raise your hand. Raise your hand right now, everybody. So we're reaching for the heaven. You're pleased to be a child of God. Let it show. Amen? All right. Second question. It's a little easier question. Do we have any sinners in the sanctuary this morning? Raise your hand if you're a sinner. Right now, everybody should have a hand raised. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But Romans 8.1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Are we in Christ Jesus this morning? Raise your hands if you're in Christ Jesus. All right, I believe you're in great company. I believe I've come to the right place. Yeah, as, you, as, as you know, my name is Don Butler. I'm pleased to tell you that I'm a Gideon. I'm pleased to be a Gideon because Gideon's International is all about God's Word. And we know that God's Word generates life, creates faith, produces change, frightens the devil, causes miracles, heals, hurts, builds character, transforms circumstances, imparts joy, overcomes adversity, defeats temptation, infuses hope, releases powers, cleanses our minds, brings things to being, and guarantees our future forever. And we cannot live without the Word of God. Amen? All right. What a pleasure to be here this morning. Uh, Katie stole half my thunder, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share it anyway. Uh, most of you know that Gideon's International is a men's ministry, and we are coupled with a woman's auxiliary. We're, uh, uh, we're dedicated to evangelism and Bible distribution. There's about 240,000 of us worldwide right now. And of course, we're the folks that place all those Bibles in the hotels and the motels and uh, in hospitals and in prisons and on cruise ships and doctor's offices and, and nursing homes and many other traffic lanes of life. As you already know, we're credited with having distributed over 2 billion Bibles in over 200 countries and 107 languages throughout the world. It's a lot of Bibles. We're distributing those Bibles every single day. As Katie said, two Bibles per second. So what that means is every eight days, we have distributed another two million Bibles. Two million every eight days. That means by next Monday, one week from tomorrow, we will have distributed another two million Bibles. And when I say we, I do not mean we, us Gideons. I mean we, you and folks like you, your church and churches like yours that generously support Gideons International, making it possible for us to do what it is that we do. We couldn't do what we do without you. So on behalf of Gideons International, from the bottom of my heart, I sincerely thank each and every one of you for your support 
And I know you've been supporting Gideons for years. I thank you again. You know, it took us 20 years to distribute our first 1 million Bibles. 20 years. And now we're distributing 2 million every 8 days or 1 million every 4 days. Thanks to you. Once again, I thank you so much for your support. I'd like to share with you a couple testimonies. And the first testimony I'd like to share with you is about a handful of Gideons that went to a, a school to do a Bible distribution. So what they do is they go to the schools and they hand these out. But they went to this school when they had no authorization to be on the school property. So what they did was they placed a Gideon on each corner of every one of the streets that led to and from the school. And then they anxiously waited for the bell to ring. When school left out, every one of those corners immediately were flooded with peoples of all ages, and everybody received one of these testaments. Now, the Gideons had no way of knowing at the time that just several blocks away was a troubled young mother in great despair. Her disparity was such that she took a loaded gun, walked into a closet, closed the door behind her, As she raised that gun to her head, she said, Oh God, if there's a single reason why I shouldn't do this thing, tell me now. At that very moment, the front door burst open. Her young son come running through the house shouting, Mommy, 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 look what the man gave me. So anxious, unable to wait to show his mommy the little Bible that the man down the street had handed him. A life spared, a soul saved, a family healed. Because of one little Bible in the hands of a small boy, God's perfect timing, and a handful of Gideons willing to give freely of their time to distribute those testaments. That's what we do with Gideons. I'd like to share with you another, another testimony. This testimony, too, is about a handful of Gideons that went to Columbia. They went to a small mining town there in Columbia. They went to a school. This was a little bit different. In this case, they were able to get into the school. Every single person, staff, children, everyone alike, received one of these testaments. One little Colombian girl there got one of those testaments. She fell so in love with God's Word, she couldn't put it down. She was ignoring her chores, and her father was getting a little upset with her. Every time he turned around, she had her face in the Bible. And her father would say, look, put it down, go do your chores. One morning, he was leaving to go to work in the mines. He looked over, and there his daughter was, reading God's precious word. He went over to her, and 
He took the Bible out of her hand. He stuck it in his pocket. He said, I want you to quit reading that. That stuff's not true anyway. And he stuck it in his pocket, and he went on to work in the coal mines. About five hours later, whistles and sirens started to go off. There was a cave-in in the mine. Thirty-one men were trapped. It took rescuers five days to reach the men. By that time, their air supply had been long exhausted. All 31 men had perished. When they found the little girl's father, he was still in a kneeling, praying position. That little Bible clutched between his praying hands. When they removed that Bible from his hands, they opened it up. And those of you who are familiar with these little testaments know that on the very back page is the prayer of salvation. And there's a place there where the prayer of salvation is where you can sign your name and date it when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. On that page and in that place was her father's signature. Now, if you're familiar with these testaments, if you come forward one page, it's a blank page. On that page was a note. It said, Dear daughter, please continue reading. Everything is true. Father. Beneath the Father's signature of that little note were 30 more signatures. Thank you. All 31 men that had perished in that mine that day had accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior because of one little testament handed out somewhere by Gideon. You see, only our God in heaven knows for sure how many lives have been spared, how many souls have been saved, and how many families have been healed because of a copy of God's precious word where it needed to be when it needed to be there. There are hundreds of testaments I could share with you about people who are in great despair on the precipice of taking their own life, headed to a would-be grave, and then after having stumbled across the Gideon Place Bible, their lives were spared, their souls were saved, and their lives were changed forever. But rather than share more of those testaments with you right now, I'd like to share a little bit of my own testament with you. The reason I would like to share my own testament with you is because I know that each and every one of you sitting here today have someone in your lives that is currently wearing the same shoes that I wore for many, many, many years. I was lost 
I didn't know I was lost. See, it's kind of like that old axiom, you don't know what you don't know. People are lost. They don't know they're lost. I was one of those people. I was lost. I didn't know I was lost. I, I called those the lost years for good reason. See, during the lost years, and I wasn't a total pagan. When I was a young kid, when I was eight years old, you know, I, I, I went to church three times a week. You know, I went Sunday morning, Sunday evening. I went Wednesday evenings. You know, when I was 8, 9, 10, 11, you know, my goal was, you know, son, when, when people would say, what would you like to be when you grow up? And then back in those days, as you know, I'd like to be a pastor. Well, God knew I'd blow that big time, so he made me a soldier instead. And that was a good life. But uh, So I wasn't a total pagan, but I wasn't the Christian that I thought I was. And we all have people in our lives who aren't the Christian they think they are. They're lost. They don't know they're lost. And that's why I like to share my testimony with you. See, during the lost years, if someone would have said, do you love the Lord? I would have said, yes, yes, I love the Lord with all my heart. That would have been an unintentional lie. You see, I loved me more than I loved the Lord. I was living my life to suit me and please me without regard to whether I was honoring God, praising God, glorifying God, pleasing God, or whether I was offending God. And I offended God an awful lot throughout my life. I was lost. I didn't know I was lost. During the lost years, if someone would have said, are you a Christian? I would have said, yes, yes, of course I'm a Christian. How do you know you're a Christian? Ooh, didn't know you were going to ask that one. How do I know I'm a Christian? See, during the last years, I'd have said, well, well, because I know there is one God. He created the heavens and the earth and everything within. I know that John 1.1 says, in, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And John 1.14 says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And right there you could put a big old set of parentheses and say, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Lord and Savior, was born and dwelt among us. I knew that, but I wasn't the Christian I thought I was. I know that Jesus was born around 6 B.C., I know that because I know King Herod died in 4 B.C., and of course we all know the stories of King Herod. I know that Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save the world, to bring us life and bring it abundantly. I know that he chose 12, 12 of his disciples to be the apostles, to assist them with the, with the Word of God. I know that and this is what I would have said then. Of course, obviously, I still know those things and more. I know that, that the apostle John was the, the very last apostle to go to heaven to be with Jesus and the only apostle that hadn't been crucified. I know that the young Roman soldier Saul stood by and watched as they crucified and, and stoned poor Stephen to death. Not crucified, but stoned him to death. He stood by and he watched. And that that young Roman soldier Saul on the road to Damascus had an encounter with Christ Jesus and thereafter would be known as the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest apostles of all. I know that, that after the Apostle John went to heaven to be with Jesus, it was, it was the beginning of our Christian history and the foundation because 
the next generation of disciples called the apostolic fathers, men like, like uh, Polycarp of Smyrna, Clement of Rome, Ignatius of Antioch, and many, many, many others, folks who actually walked with and, 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 and were mentored by and learned from the apostles who walked on this earth with Christ Jesus, of which most were martyred as well. Polycarp was 86 years old when the Romans came and, and tied him to a stake. Now his friends asked him to, to leave, take refuge so that he wouldn't die, but he had had a dream, and in that dream he saw himself in flames, and he knew that he had to give his life for Christ Jesus. When the Romans tied him to the cross and were going to burn him, they were going to put nails in his hands so he wouldn't escape the flames. And he said, the nails will not be necessary. My Lord will sustain me. That's what our God does for us. Clement, just 50 years after the Apostle Paul had written his letter to Corinth because of the division in the church, here it was a half a century later, only a half a century later, Clement was writing a very similar letter for the very same reason because of dissension in the church, because of envy and jealousy. In fact, if you read the epistle of Clement, he goes on to talk about how Apostle Peter and Paul had been beheaded by the Romans, but it was a result of jealousy and envy of the Christians. That, that, that was what Clement had to say. He too was martyred. They wrapped chains around his legs and threw him in the ocean to drown. But Ignatius of Antioch, is one of my favorites. Now, most of you probably know, but Antioch was the very first Christian church for the Gentiles, and, of course, the apostle Peter was the first bishop. The word Christian emerged out of Antioch, as did the word bishop, which means overseer. The word Catholic, which means universal church, all emerged out of Antioch. Ignatius was 72 years old when he was arrested, it was because he wouldn't follow the, the, the rules of the Roman gods. He had but one God, and that is our God. But it would take several months because uh, Antioch is uh, in southern Turkey, about 25 miles north of the Syrian border, and it's a several-month trip from Rome to Antioch. So when the Romans came to arrest him to take him back, uh, it would take several months, and during that time, he visited every church that he possibly could, and he wrote seven epistles. And in one of those epistles to the Magnesians is the very first time in the history of human beings that anyone referred to Sunday as the day of our Lord in writing rather than the Sabbath. And it was... Ignatius of Antioch, who had done that. Now, I could go on and on boring you about history, and that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make the point that even though I knew a lot about Christ, a lot about the apostles and the apostolic fathers, and a lot about God, I failed to know Christ. I failed to know God. See, I knew who Christ and God was, but I didn't truly know God in an epikinosis way. You know, I hadn't made Jesus Christ my best friend, which is what we need to do. Most of you here, I believe, have probably done that. 
That's why you're here today. Why am I sharing this with you and going in that direction? It's, it's totally not in my notes. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going different than what I'd planned. The reason I'm sharing that is because each and every one of us here today have someone in our lives who are not here today, who should be here today. We have folks in our lives that say, look, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Going to church doesn't make me a Christian. We have folks in our lives that say, look, I'm a good person. I'll go to heaven. What does Ephesians 2.8 say? For by grace are we saved through faith, not that of ourselves. It is a gift from God, not of good works, lest any man should boast. You got people in your lives saying, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. They're boasting. You got people in your lives that say, going to church doesn't make me a Christian. It may not make you a Christian, but if you are a Christian, it'll make you a much better Christian. We've got to go to church, folks. And we have folks who say, I'm a good person. I'll go to heaven. Well, we already know you can't get to heaven by works alone. I share this with you because it is incumbent. Your pastors can't reach everybody out there. It's incumbent upon us to go to our friends, our relatives, people who are dear to our heart, people with it, maybe just someone we just met. But if they're lost, it's incumbent upon us to help them find their way. What does it say in Matthew 28, 18? After the incarnation of Christ, what did he say? He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Behold, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. How long is he with us? Always. Till when? The end of the age. What are we supposed to do? We are supposed to tell everybody about the gospel and about what Christ did for us. And the fact that we are saved by grace, not by works. It's the responsibility of each and every one of us sitting here this morning to go and teach everyone what your pastors have been teaching you. We have folks in our lives who say, oh, I don't have to get into the Bible. I don't have to fellowship with, with other Christians. I don't have to go to church. Matthew 6.33, what does it say? It says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All things will be made unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If they aren't going to church, if they aren't fellowshipping with other Christians, if they aren't reading God's precious word, how in the world will they ever know what the righteousness of God and the true holiness of God is? This, the only real truth there is, right here, the only real truth. We have facts, but this is the truth. To show an example of that, if I were to ask any single one of you right now, what day is this, you would tell me it's Sunday. It's Sunday, right? But if I asked you tomorrow, what are you going to say? Monday, the facts just changed. This does not change. Our precious word of God is always the truth. And this is what we have to live our lives by. And most of you here obviously are doing that. 
you're sitting here in church today. And I do realize that COVID had a little bit to do with, you know, some of what we have going on out there. And I understand that that, that, that plays a part. But you all know you got folks in your lives, every one of you, who fit, the, you know, fit that description that I mentioned. They're lost. They don't know they're lost. And it's coming upon us to help them find their way. You know, every now and then someone says to me, well, how is it that Gideons became called Gideons? So I'd like to share just a little bit of that with you. Uh, and, and, of course, as, uh, as, as Katie had told you, it, it actually started in 1899. But in the uh, fall of 1898, a gentleman by the name of John Nicholson and another gentleman by the name of Samuel Hill uh, met in the, Capitol, in the lobby of the Capitol Hotel in Boss Cable, Wisconsin, and in those days, there weren't enough rooms for everybody, so sometimes they had to share a room. Well, these two gentlemen ended up sharing a room together and found out that they, between them, they only had one Bible, and they did find out they had a commonality. They both loved the Lord. So they shared that Bible for their devotions that evening, and in the course of the conversation, said, wow, wouldn't it be great if we could put Bibles in all the hotels uh, around the country so that all the traveling businessmen would be able to read the Word of God while they're traveling well, they soon made that a reality, and uh, Gideon's was born. But they didn't know what to call the ministry. So the men went to their knees in prayer, and they prayed about it. And when they stood up from their praying, the one gentleman said, We shall be called Gideon's, named after an unlikely hero in the book of Judges. Now, there are 12 unlikely heroes in the book of Judges, and Gideon is just one of those. But to just give you a little bit of background on that, Gideon was a farmer. And the Israelites, had, they had known 40 years of peace and prosperity and God looking out for them. And, of course, God has looked out for them so much in the past. But after 40 years of complacency, they forgot about all the things that God had done for them. They started slipping away, a little bit like our country's doing right now. Uh, slipped away from God. So God removed his hand of protection from the Israelites. And for the next seven years, the Midianites terrorized them. They would come in every year. They would steal all their cattle and their goats and their sheep. They would destroy their crops and, and steal their crops. For seven years, the Israelites would flee into the mountains and they would hide in the caves even Gideon, who was a farmer. In fact, in, in those days when they would thresh their wheat, they would, they would bring it out and lay it on a tarp in a hillside, and they would beat it and, and, and thresh it. And, and, then, and then people would grab each corner, they'd toss it in the air, and the wind would come along and blow away the chaff and only leave the, the wheat, the seed. Well, Gideon was so frightened of the Midianites, he wouldn't even go out on a hillside and do that. He used an old wine press to harvest his wheat. So... He was just as frightened as everybody else. But after seven years of this, the angel of the Lord came to Gideon, went to him and looked at Gideon and said, Oh, mighty man of valor. Gideon's like, Not me, Lord. I'm just, I'm just an ordinary farmer. But you see, God lives in the past the present, and the future. God has already been to the future. He has already seen Gideon take 300 soldiers and be victorious over 135,000 Midianites. That's only done with the hand of God. Outnumbered 451, and they're victorious. Thank you, Lord. Okay? It's only done with the hand of God. You see, we all have Midianites in our lives. They don't have to come in a horde of 135,000 
Midianites can come in our lives in many forms. It can be, it can be drinking, smoking, swearing, reckless driving. Whoever heard you, but it could be. It could be pornography or gluttony or greed or unforgiveness. Midianites come in many forms. In this sanctuary, we have many men and women of valor sitting right here today because many of you have overcome the Midianites in your life with a hand of God and the help of God in your life. But we have people in our lives that fit that category that I just mentioned and think nothing of it. They don't realize they're offending God. Why don't they? Because they don't read this enough, because they aren't going to church, because they aren't fellowshipping with other Christians. But we love some of those people. Some of those people are, are our brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and uncles and aunts and, and, and maybe even grandmothers and grandfathers. Who knows? But they're in our lives and they're people dear to our heart. And we know we'd like to see them in heaven one day. But if they don't change their lifestyle, they're not going to make it. You know it, and I know it, and we want them to make it. So that's why it's so important that we take that great commission that, that, that God, as Jesus has handed us, and that we, that we go and, and we tell our friends. How do we do that? Sometimes it's hard to tell our friends and loved ones, look, man, you're a heathen. You've got to go to church. That, that doesn't work very well, so we probably don't want to do that. But how do we do it? We do it by sharing with them what God is doing for us in our lives. We share with them the providence that God brings into our lives every day. Every day we have miracles taking place right in front of us. Sometimes we recognize them, sometimes we don't. But every one of us have the providence of God happening every single day in our lives. The phone rang. You got. You got. The, you answered the phone. Guess what? It came back. It, it came back from the doctor. It's not malignant after all. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hello, John. Guess what? Heard back from the doctor. I'm going to be okay. Share that with your friends and family and those people that you care about because that's the hand of God in your life. That's the providence of God making you a better person. But those things happen every day. What happens when you went down, your car stalled, and just right when the light was green, the car stalled, and you didn't get a start, whatever, and the, the, the semi goes barreling through there, and you say, oh, holy smokes. If my car had gone through the way it was supposed to, I'd have been, I'd have been blindsided by, the, by the, the semi that went through the red light. Not a coincidence, no such thing. It's a providence of God. We have to share. And I'm just kind of giving you some examples. You all know. You all got them going on in your lives. You all know what, what, what it is. That's what we share with the folks who are lost. And if we do it in the right way, we can do that without turning them away and turning them off. I know that if you go full force to head on to someone and try to share the gospel, they'll turn around and they'll, they'll leave. You know, the, you know I, I've, got, I've got friends sometimes, oh, man, that Don Butler, man, he's, he's, man, he's over the top. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's one of those, uh, he, he, he's a, a, a religious fanatic nowadays. You know, I mean, he's going over the other end, you know, uh, He's one of those born-again Christians, you know. I'm, I'm a Christian, but, but he's one of those born-again Christians. Well, what does John 3, 3 say? 
When Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus, what's he say? Turn to Nicodemus and say, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It doesn't say he might not. It doesn't say he may not. It says he cannot see the kingdom of God. So those folks who say, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm just not one of those born-again Christians. No, there is only one kind of Christian, and that's a born-again Christian. You have people in your lives who claim to be Christians who think they're Christians, but what, what, what's missing there? They haven't made that commitment. We have some folks in our lives haven't made that commitment merely because they know that they know that they're living a life that God does not approve of, and so they want to ride the fence, you know. You know, I've broken it down. I believe we have three kinds of people in our lives. We have those people who are running towards God. That would be you folks sitting here. We have those folks who are running from God. Uh, that would probably be people you don't even know. And then we have those folks who, who are kind of on the fence. They're not running from God and not running toward God because they don't want to make that commitment. They don't want to change those things in their lives. And we sit back and say, that's okay. It's not affecting me. It's not affecting me. Well, look look what, what has gone with this country now because we sat back so much and said, well, what they do doesn't affect me. I'm not going to get involved. Look what's going on in the country today because too many of us didn't get involved probably when we should have, you know. Uh, so we need to get involved. And, and, and to make my point, you all remember the book of Jonah. You know, when, when, when Jonah was running from the Lord, he didn't want to go to Nineveh. You know, he didn't think the people in Nineveh were worthy. And so he's, he's running from God, and he gets on a ship. And what happens? The ship almost sinks, right? He gets in the nasty storm and all that. They finally got to throw him overboard. He finally admits, oh, this is because of me. Okay, so what, what did he do when he was running from the Lord? He endangered every single person on that ship, didn't he? Everybody was in danger because he was running from the Lord and almost took the lives of everyone on the ship. See, we got people in our lives who are running from the Lord, and we say it doesn't affect us. It does affect us. And the Great Commission says we're responsible to try to do something about it because that's what we do as children of God and as Christians. That's what God said we were supposed to do. Now, I started out with telling you I was going to share my testimony, but now I, got, I really don't have time to share it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, a quickie on the testimony. I, uh, uh, again, I was lost for many years. always loved the Lord, uh, but not the way I should have, not as much as I should have. I've got many songs and poems I've written to and for and about the Lord all my life from, from way, way back. So I wasn't a total pagan, but I wasn't the Christian I thought I was. And I'm a pilot. We got any pilots in the room? No pilots. Anyway, I'm a pilot. Love to fly. Well, one morning I departed out of a, uh, a remote. You know, in, in the early days when I learned how to fly, I, uh, I, I learned that there's absolutely no reason to break a perfectly good airplane just because the engine shuts off. You lose the engine, you find, a, you find a field or road, you glide on down, you sit down, you fix the problem, you fly away. And 98% of the time, that's exactly how it works, but I'm a two percenter. I, uh, I departed out of a, uh, a very remote airstrip one morning, hadn't quite reached 800 feet, 800 to 1,000 feet pattern altitude, hadn't reached there. I had a catastrophic engine failure. Problem is, it was a remote airstrip. There were no fields. There were no roads. There were nothing but big old oak trees. 
There was no place to go. I went through all the emergency procedures, and I, you know, I, I, I shut off the fuels, and I, and I turned off all the electrical items to help reduce the possibility of a post-crash fire. I unlatched the door so it wouldn't get jammed upon impact. And as I was headed straight towards this big oak tree, because that's all there was there, and I was about to hit this big oak tree head on, I heard a loud voice cry out, left, rudder. And I'm not smart enough to do that myself, not fast enough or good enough. I heard a loud voice cry out, left, rudder. I slammed that left rudder. When I did, the airplane spun like this, and I went into that tree wing first rather than head on. Now, it hadn't been for that, I wouldn't be sharing the story with you today. And that wing went crunch, crunch, crunch. It absorbed all that impact, crunched up like an accordion. And I came to a momentary stop by 70, 80 feet off the ground. I'm look, I was looking straight down at the ground. And I remember saying, this is going to hurt. <laughs> and as I was headed straight towards the ground, something in the aircraft had gotten caught. It did a 180-degree turn. Instead of staring at Mother Earth, I was staring at the heavens. It landed on its tail, and it fell over nice and slow, and I immediately got away from it in case of a post-crash fire. There was no fire. God and I did everything right. The next day, a gentleman from the National Transportation Safety Board came to see me, and he went to check the airplane out, and he found out it was mechanical failure and what had caused the crash. We went back to my house, and he was sitting there at the table writing, writing up the report. And right in the middle of the report, he lays down his pen and he just stares at me. And I had gotten him a cup of coffee. And he stares at me and he takes a cup, sip of his coffee. And he's just staring at me. And I go, this guy's name was Frank. I go, what, Frank? He goes, you know, I, uh, you shouldn't be here today. You really shouldn't be here, but you are. I said, well, I know. God's always been good to me that way. I'm a Vietnam veteran. I could tell you some real stories. I said, uh, I know. God, God, God has always been good to me that way. He goes, oh, where do you go to church? Sorry, Frank, I haven't been to church in a long time. I drifted away from church like the people in your lives that I'm talking about. He says, I need to go to my car, get something, I'll be back. About 45 seconds later, he comes back. What do you think Frank hands me, huh? He said, God spared you for a reason. He's got a mission for you. So you need to start reading the Bible, find yourself a good Bible-based faith church, and Get to church and find out what God has. See, it wasn't that I didn't have a Bible. I had many Bibles. I had been handed these many years, many times throughout the military. In fact, I, had a, I have a little black leather-bound Bible. It has my name on it in, in, etched in gold. I got it for Christmas when I was eight years old. I carried that Bible with me all over the world. We spent a year together in Vietnam. Had a Bible. I forgot how to use the Bible. You got people in your lives forgot how to use the Bible? Of course you do. And it's incumbent upon us to help them find their way and start getting back into that Bible and getting back into church and getting to where God wants them to be. Now, I could go on with a whole lot more, except we're almost out of time, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, I got way off track. I do have notes here, but I forgot to open them. But <laughs> so uh, we, we, didn't, we, didn't, we went with what the Holy Spirit told me to share rather than what I had on my notes. But I do appreciate the fact you allow me to come to your church. What a wonderful church you have going here. What a wonderful, 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 wonderful worship team you have going here. And I knew it was going to be like that as soon as I met your pastor. And I thought, hey, I'm going to like this place. Uh, and, of course, I do. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you. And it is, it, it's been a real pleasure to be here. I thank you so much for having me today. If I could ask you to bow your heads, please. Oh, Lord, as the days pass... And the years vanish. 
And we walk sightless among miracles. Lord, fill our eyes with seeing, our minds with knowing. Let there be moments when your presence like lightning illuminates the darkness in which we walk. Help us to see wherever we gaze that the bush burns unconsumed and that we, clay, touched by God, will reach out in holiness and exclaim in wonder, how filled with awe is this place, and we did not know it. Almighty, merciful, gracious, and glorious Heavenly Father, let your words fill our memories, rule our hearts, and guide our feet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all very much for allowing me to be with you today. God bless you.